Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to Trending. Such a beautiful theme here on this eve of the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. This is a feast day that I know so, so special to so many of you. Also incredibly close to the hearts of everyone at Relevant Radio as the feast day is the anniversary since Relevant Radio received its first license to broadcast from the FCC. So we ask Our Lady of Guadalupe's intercession in all endeavors at Relevant Radio and of course next hour the family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Drew Mariani will be live at the Shrine of uh, Christ's uh, Passion in St. John, Indiana. Just heard Father Rocky talk about that. There's been such an excitement all day. Heard John Morales on with Drew earlier, broadcasting worldwide on the Relevant Radio app and, of course, on the YouTube channel. So if we can't be there in person, we can still grab our hot chocolate and be enfolded and pray together, which is such a joy on the day that we pray the joyful mysteries as well. Such a beautiful vigil that's coming up next, right after trending in less than an hour. It's Brooke Taylor here in Fertimory. Always delighted to be with you. And a big, busy program this hour coming up. Catholic speaker, wife, mother, grandmother, Melody Lyons will be here to talk about intimacy in marriage. What happens when the husband's expectations maybe are disappointed because of the assumption that the wife, the bride's desire must mirror a man's and vice versa. These are all questions that Melody addresses from a Catholic perspective in a post that went viral on Twitter, X now, and we'll talk about that. And later, Maria Gary will be here. She is the founder of Running Myself Together. As a young woman, she overcame an eating disorder. Today, she writes and speaks. She's a running coach and a personal trainer working to help other women become healthier and holier. So we'll talk about that as well. Plus, I am so unexpectedly surprised to share this with you, but why Godzilla minus one just might be the most pro-life action film in recent years. It's being called one of the greatest blockbusters of our modern era. I happened to see it over the weekend. I have to admit, I think I agree with that statement. It's something I never thought I would say, but wow, you talk about pro-life. 
And that the irony of Godzilla. So if we have time, we'll get into that. A quick movie review on that as well. And at the end of the show, a special Holy Family Christmas cookie recipe. Hopefully we can get to that too. We will do our best. We've got a lot. So let's jump in. My first guest is Melody Lyons. Melody has been writing and speaking for nearly 20 years about the culture, healing, Catholic homeschooling, the domestic church. She is the author of The Sunshine Principle, a radically simple guide to natural Catholic healing and a wife, mother of eight, and now a grandmother. Happy to have Melody join us. Hi, Melody. Hi, Brooke. Good hey, to welcome here. to the show. Uh, how How is your Advent going? We're now into week two. How's it going for your family? It's pretty typical for a big family Advent. You know, like, it's we had all the plans and everything ready to go, and now they're all... <laughs> I know you've had a big plumbing issue in your house, of course, right at this time. Yep. So we we might be Christmas might look a little bit different this year. So we're just kind of waiting to see. Yeah, but I mean, you've been prepared in the way that you live liturgically every day, and we'll and you talk a lot about that. We'll get into your Substack hopefully by the the end of our conversation, so people can find you and follow you there. But I want to start with this post that you had. It was a thread that kind of reached semi-viral status on X, formerly known as Twitter. So I thought maybe we could start. I will read it if that's okay. And then you can maybe offer kind of a textual analysis. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I just pulled parts of it. Uh, And this, just a disclaimer, does deal with some adult themes as it relates to a husband and a wife. So just want parents to be aware in case there are little ears. And so with that, I'll just pull a couple segments of what you wrote, some excerpts. You say, some wives have waited for marriage, who, who have waited for marriage, are surprised that physical intimacy is not what they thought it would be. Their desire does not match their husbands. Their eager young husbands are disappointed too sometimes because their expectations have been malformed by pornography or the assumption that a woman's desire must mirror a man's. So here again, we're talking about marital intimacy. You go on to say many women who have been badly used by men who didn't love them well outside of marriage, maybe that was you, spouses often step into marriage without being aware of these broken or disordered places. Many marriages are burdened by sickness, fatigue, lack of emotional intimacy, feelings of self-loathing, resentment, and a problem of expectations. People become protective, even subconsciously, of pain. You may be a very loving husband, but the body of a woman often follows her mind. If she feels unsafe or pressured, unloved or distressed, her body will react. And these things might not be a condition of the present, but a response that built up over time. She may not even be fully uh, able to understand since our culture does not teach the power and depth of human sexuality and the harm caused by misuse or carelessness. You say, I've spoken to countless women over the years who don't have any idea how to articulate their grief or change their response. Husbands feel unloved and undesirable and neglected, maybe hurt and angry. These things compound. Some men try to fix the problem by demanding their rights, marital debt. And I have to tell you, men, if you think that making cold demands on your wife's body will magically transform your marital intimacy, you're right in one way, you'll kill it. You might get more, sure, but you might also dampen her desire for you and breed resentment. I doubt that's what you're after. 
A wife should offer the gift of intimacy often, sometimes maybe when she doesn't feel a desire because it is a loving gift. But men, your sacrificial role in the marriage might mean slowing down, repairing trust, learning about your wife, and working together to make intimacy a place of deep trust and a gift for both of you. And then I'll just wrap it up with your last few words here, Melody. You say, make sure she's okay. Notice if she's sleeping, hydrating, getting exercise. Make time for her. Make sure you understand the ways in which your wife feels most loved. Talk about expectations, your desire and love for her, and possible solutions to mismatched needs and expectations. And pray and reflect on the truth that intimacy is different for men and women. And you go on to say legitimate, but often different needs. And it's important to learn from one another. And you say too, for men, well, I guess this could be for women too. Give up porn today. If you need help, get it. There's a lot there. Sorry to to, to kind of talk so much there, but that is a lot in a short amount of time that you packed in, Melody, and hard to even know where to start. I want to throw out the line, the studio line right now in case anyone wants to comment on what they just heard, what we just shared from your words. one 914 The studio lines are open right now. We can take your call. You'll be on with Melody. Uh, Melody, just wondering, after you posted that, some reactions how did people respond to that post for the most part it was overwhelmingly positive um i think you know and one of the reasons i wrote it and (laughs) i did not think i would ever be writing on this topic (laughs) by the way um you know one of the reasons i wrote it is because the subject of marital debt or also known as conjugal debt has been an ongoing bone of contention among catholics especially online and recently has been Escalating more with some influencers taking a very hard line and specifically what a husband should be demanding or expecting of a wife. And when I started to see this trickle down into real families and cause so much hurt and distrust and discord, it was like, all right, I'm going to speak this. I'm just going to try to speak from the heart. And one of the things that happened was that it resonated with people. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, I didn't know what would happen because this is really a hidden thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's like the most intimate space. How do you even reach out for help? You know, what do you do? And um, it can get very, very big in the intimacy of a home, um, it, you know, over the years. So the, the response, again, was overwhelmingly positive. Of course, there were some really, de- you know, defensive and bitter replies, but there always will be. On, on, That's on, true. On that. And I think, too, you know, the sacred act the the reality that it should be protected and and private but also you see the other side of the culture that just completely degrades downplays and pornifies so much of marriage and the the unitive and the procreative act and everything that it does make it very difficult to even know where to begin even for faithful catholics let alone those that maybe haven't been well formed to what voice to listen to and of course we know there are beautiful writings and church teachings everything passed down through the centuries with great philosophical thought natural law moral law but that's almost hard to find outside of actually going and looking for it. So that's why your voice is so beautiful in this space because you did reach far and wide. And could you maybe cherry pick one or two comments that stood out to you that resonated? Yeah. And could I just, for people who don't know what we're talking about when we say marital debt, um, because I don't know, a lot of people actually have never heard that before. That's true. Yeah. So that's, 
that's simply the obligation of the spouses to offer their bodies as a gift to the other when the other desires sexual intimacy. So it's within that con- the context of that discussion that I've been seeing this, this increasing confusion and anger, which is really being provoked by, you know, as you were saying, a sort of rude treatment of a matter of incredible delicacy and intimacy. Um, so that's why I saw a need to speak to it. Maybe some young suffering couple could be encouraged or prompted just to turn towards each other again and seek that healing together instead of building up the walls of, you know, influencer-fueled resentment. So, but one of the comments um, that really stood out to me, and I think to a lot of other people as well, was actually a comment by um, a, a seasoned married man. And I thought it was an excellent compliment to my feminine view, because, of course, that's going to be my angle. Um, I did touch on um, the man's needs, but I don't know them intimately, you know. Um, So, but I really want wives to hear this and to listen to what this gentleman is saying. And I'll just read it. He, He said, in part, I agree with everything you say here, but I think you gave only an inkling of the male perspective, how intimacy connects us with our spouses and makes us feel radically accepted and infinitely close to the women we love. How many of us have deep-seated issues with neglect, abandonment, rejection, and how a coldness and affection from our wives feels like more of the same? How the world constantly bombards us with alluring sexual imagery we have to dodge, and if we turn to the one place where sex is good and wholesome and find no interest there, it feels crushing in light of the battles we fight to avoid the low-hanging temptations that grind us down every day. And then he goes on, if these problems are going to be fixed, they require an approach of mutual understanding and respect. Men aren't bad for wanting and needing to make love to their wives. We deserve to stop being treated like this is some terrible vice. And then it's just, there's so much to ponder in there. And I think as we dive into the wounds we take into marriage and maybe even acquire in marriage, right? I think his words merit pondering. And contrary to the belief of the world, intimacy is something that needs time, maybe even decades to reach maturation of virtue and understanding. I mean, some of, Some pleasures of marriage are front-loaded, but the better part of love comes via the crucible, and that isn't found by control or domination or manipulation, but by reciprocal love. That's so important, Uh, yes, because in all of these conversations, it's so nuanced, it's so personal. Every single human being coming into the relationship has their own set of experiences and wounds and often hasn't even known how to address or identify or maybe even connected that that's where that coldness is coming from or that hesitation either husband or wife and i think that's a great point and what what he said was really powerful about you know men are trying so hard to avoid the temptations and to be wholesome into the one place they can turn then when they find coldness in their spouse how crushing that is and where then would you suggest to begin when you said turn towards one another again i love how you Mm -hmm. phrase that and that can build up you know pretty early on in the marriage or at any point up through decades so where do you think would be a good starting point to begin well, I'm no, I'm not a marriage counselor. Yes, <laughs> so I I, yeah. Give, give my, you know, um, whatever wisdom there is. Um, I think that it's really important to understand where we stand in the culture and how we get to a place of a really defensive posture towards each other. So that even deeply, you know, if we love our spouses. And even as we serve them and are grateful for them and communicate with them, 
there are places in many women and in many men that are already defensively positioned against the other. And that is one of the problems with what's going on online is that these influencers and, and other people are positioning men and women in opposition to each other when their hearts need to be for each other. So just with, within the culture, I think, for example, most women have experienced what it's like to navigate a predatory culture where objectification is the rule rather than the exception. And it starts really young. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and they're learning that, you know, a lot of boys and a lot of men are trying to get away with touches. They're trying to get away with violating boundaries and seeking sexual experiences. And a lot of females aren't sure, like, what does it mean to be loved? You know, what, what do I have to do in order to be loved? And we all know you can, Everybody listening has their, every woman listening has their own experience of what that meant in their own life trying to navigate. But the harm to both men and women is so extensive that boys are trained from a young age to view women as porn fodder and that girls are groomed to accept it and to capitalize on it. So by the time they get to a marriageable age, there are wounds. And, and then we did like, we develop that defensive posture and, we just, and that is sort of where like the coldness develops. And when I say coldness, I mean distance, rudeness, frigidity. And this develops in some people, as you mentioned, from porn use as well. And that real bodily dysfunction can result from that psychological damage and distress. A woman can deeply love her husband and experience a profound loss of physical response, which in turn deeply wounds her husband, whose needs are often as strong as her emotional needs, right? And so you have a lot of grieving. I think like the practical work of that, I don't know how to tell each person, but learning to look at the other with compassion, with tremendous gratitude and tenderness and looking at them and saying, you're my, like, you're my precious gift and the care of your person. You have been entrusted to me, not just to make me feel whole. But all, I have all of you, like all of your wounds, everything that you experienced throughout your whole life, everything that is making you distant from me is also mine. And then sort of mm-hmm. taking ownership of that and finding ways, you know, like to love your spouse, but also to care for those areas of ourselves. Like, wow, I love my spouse. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Yes, that it's so... so- it's it's so beautiful to consider because we're in such a transactional culture where everything comes with a transaction and that we talk about this all the time and we know that in the Catholic understanding of the human person, this laying down your life for the sake of the other and that this pouring out, the self-oblation and that does have to be learned. Of course, greatly, it's you're at an advantage if you've grown up in a family where you've seen that modeled, but so many haven't. And that's yet still a place of hope because what an awesome opportunity with the graces of a sacramental marriage and the sacraments and the love of your spouse to be able to do that. I mean, it's really exciting. That's kind of your superpower because you know that you have the the graces of of our Lord, our Lady, the saints aiding you and their example as well. Um, I'm looking at the time and I see that we have a couple calls. I want to get to E. Frank from New York with a question to Melody before we go on. Are you with us? Welcome to Trending. Hi there. You had a question? Yes, I have a question. It's uh, something that I've been pondering most of my life because I've seen it in my own family, which I don't need to mention because it's it, we have a different structural 
Catholic uh, form of uh, sacramental life. But I was always wondering if you observe someone, and I don't like to use the word uh, violence or domestic. I like to use the word beating up your spouse or hitting your wife. What leads to uh, a solution when a spouse becomes very abusive with his uh, wife because he just doesn't know how to figure out the relationship? He doesn't know how to find the mathematical or spiritual solutions to the problems? What then do you do with a spouse that becomes abusive towards his wife? Thank you for your question, Melody. Yeah, thank you. I I think that's unfortunately a problem that is much more extensive than we'd like to think as a culture. But, you know, again, I'm not a professional. I would say first, I think we have an obligation to say, right, that, that that spouse has to be protected by the people in her life. They need to find a way to protect her and get her out of an abusive, um, violent situation, first and foremost. And then the second step is really trying to figure out uh, how to help the abusive spouse. Because, you know, like none of us knows where that's rooted. Obviously, we know enough about the psychology and the faith and, you know, what happens to a, to a human being when there has been so much woundedness. And to find the roots of that kind of woundedness that um, reacts with rage and would abuse another person, that's just way deeper than, you know, than anything that, that we could talk about on a, on a radio show. Um, so I don't, awesome. I don't have a good answer there, but you know, that, no, I think, I, I think yeah, I, I love what you said though, about she needs to be protected and that's so important. And, and that's why, again, just into from the beginning, when you have, I always recommend having a good relationship with your parish priest because, you know, there is, there is an angle there of, of a familial, uh, hopefully spiritual guide and director confidant that can help as well. And, and guide and just being rooted in, in community, family, and the body of Christ as well and in relying on each other. And, and that can be difficult. You know, we're, we're increasingly more in this isolated culture. And I think on the eve today of the vigil here now of our feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, we think of she is the patroness of the unborn. We call on her intercession, I think, in this topic for the sacrament of matrimony because you see the spiritual warfare striking at the very epicenter of literally where life is created and it just shows you the spiritual battle with that so i know we have to wrap up but any final takeaways melody about that topic i know you have much more on your Substack, and i want to make sure we can lead people there to continue the conversation yeah you had asked about you know where do you begin or where do you start with healing i have like one concrete name uh that i can give you and that's dr bob shoots with the jp2 center for healing um i have not experienced the marriage uh healing retreats that he has done but i have i have just experienced tremendous have tremendous experiences with his um healing the whole person retreat with the podcast with familial healing their books and resources on, um, you know, sexual healing as well. Uh, beautiful resources that I highly recommend. So I would say that. And I would also just say healing takes time. It, knowledge takes time. Intimacy takes time. And not only time, but skill and virtue, which also need time. That's right. And and we pray, Lord, in, in, in it's in Psalms too. teach us to number our days. And we just um, enfold all of these prayers to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Beautiful as always. Thank you, Melody Lyons, for your insight. And again, we will uh, link up your your Substack. I know you're on X, you're on social media. Is that the best way to find you? 
Yeah, you can find me at my website, MelodyLines.com, and also I'm on Substack. As Melody, it's MelodyLines.Substack.com. That's a term. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Melody. Blessed Advent. I hope the plumbing issues are, are fixed <laughs> <laughs> speedily. A very special family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Drew is also coming up in just over 30 minutes. Uh, that's coming up for uh, the Family Rosary Across America, the Joyful Mysteries as well. Quick break. When we come back, Maria Gary is with us. She is the founder of Running Myself Together, a Catholic who discovered her worth in Christ while working through an eating disorder recovery. We'll talk to her. And plus, is the new Godzilla movie really one of the most pro-life modern action films? I actually think so. We had a chance to watch it over the weekend. I'll tell you why back after the break here on Trending on Relevant Radio and the app. Stay with us. To trending, it's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. So happy to be with you today. Quick movie recommendation: There's a new action film that has been dubbed one of the greatest films of the year. Do you know what it is? Do you have a guess? Ninety-six percent Rotten Tomatoes rating. Now I know a lot of people don't really like Rotten Tomatoes. I've kind of it's fallen out of favor for me in recent years. But this is both critics and the audience. That is how high the reviews have been on both sides. And I have to say, I watched this movie over the weekend and I have to agree. So the movie that I'm talking about is Godzilla Minus One. And I can't really play the trailer for you because it's in Japanese. It has English subtitles. But I never imagined that I would say to recommend this movie and that it was so pro-life. We loved it. And ironically, it, it was so beautiful that it was pro-life going to <laughs> a Godzilla film. But I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for a good movie, this one I think is a home run. Now, I will say, of course, with it being what it is, there is some violence, I would say akin to like Lord of the Rings. So whatever age you would allow for Lord of the Rings, I would compare it to that. But the premise is 1945, near the end of World War II, there's a kamikaze pilot. So I'm going to just give you a little hint of the beginning. It wouldn't give anything away, but he can't go through with it. He knows the war basically is over at this point. Why waste essentially another, I don't want to say waste, but he he values life. And so that's the very beginning. He feigns technical issues with his plane and lands on an island. And from there on, there is this theme that life is precious from the very beginning all the way to the end. And I cannot believe that something so unexpected from from a Godzilla movie, but it's really the old-fashioned way of doing a film. It's relatively wholesome, I think. I, I couldn't think of one profanity that I heard in the movie. I did hear the word hell, uh, but that was the only thing that I think in the film. And again, 
It's in Japanese, but I'll just read a quick, brief snippet of a review. It says, at its core, the movie shows how wounds of guilt and trauma can be healed by love, forgiveness, and the belief that every human life has value and deserves to continue. Godzilla Minus One is a remarkably written and crafted picture. It not only leads viewers into an epic battle between a war-torn pilot and his monstrous nemesis, but also through a deep internal crisis within a hero. So if you're expecting kind of a cheesy monster of the deep kind of movie, this isn't it. This really does have more of a storyline. <laughs> so some people might actually be disappointed that it does have more of a meaty storyline, but it's so good. One gentleman I had shared on my Facebook briefly that we had gone and he said, left a comment on Facebook and he said, I struggle to find the words to describe how good this movie is and how it affected me. I mean, who would have thought? And just another critic, this is the last one I'll mention. He said, the focus of the film is the impact World War II had on the Japanese culture. Godzilla is a metaphor for the trauma Japan has faced, all of us really, all of humanity during World War II, a a shambling fire-breathing, six-story symbol of the PTSD each of the survivors must contend with. And so in that regard, I think it is a universal story. Every culture and the people who have ever seen war, every soldier who has survived battle, the themes are very evident to the human experience. So uh, Takashi Yamakazi is the writer, director, again, Godzilla minus one, just wanted to give four stars from Brooks House. But just be aware for sensitive viewers, because it is Godzilla, there is some violence in there. But I think you've got yourself a pro-life sci-fi action masterpiece. So if you see it, I would love to know what you thought and if you had the same reaction as well. And I guess speaking of overcoming monsters, that segues right into my next guest here. Maria Gary overcame an eating disorder as a young woman. Today, she is the founder of runningmyselftogether.com. It's a ministry dedicated to bringing Christ's light to women through running, mental health awareness. And she writes, speaks, and is a run coach and personal trainer. I've loved following her online for a long time. Please now to welcome her. Maria to the show. Hello, hello, Maria. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for sitting through that long <laughs> review. But um, <laughs> have you seen that? Have you heard about that movie yet? No, I haven't, but you just sold me. I'm about okay. to go watch it after this. <laughs> well, you know what's nice is I think it's it's good for, it's a good date movie. It's good for like grandpa, but also like the teenage grandson and even, you know, mom, grandma, everybody. So yeah, I, yeah. Hope, I hope people feel the same. It's always pressure when you give a movie review because if it's terrible, then it's like, oh, you're never going to listen again. <laughs> but hopefully you'll have to let me know if you see it. Um, we just did. Thank you. In the earlier part of the show, we had Melody Lyons on. And so we were talking about intimacy and marriage. And I think your story really kind of helps augment that theme. It's That's not what we're uh, talking about, but it, but your story really talks about overcoming trauma, control, anxiety, and how that can really impact all areas of our life. And for those that don't know your background, can you give us just a little preview of your story? Absolutely. Yes. So Um, When I was about 15 years old, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, And, you know, I guess I should preface all of this by saying I'm not a licensed mental health counselor or therapist. So I'm speaking just specifically from my own experience and, of course, what I've heard from women throughout the years. But um, when I was 15, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. And unbeknownst to me at the time, I really do believe that came down to desiring more of a sense of control. And so what is an easy thing to control in your life? That would be food. And so 
I, I, I latched on to that. But then as I went through recovery and, you know, during that time, my parents, they're just so wonderful and, and understanding that I did need to get help. I did need to go to therapy. I did need to understand why this was happening. Um, and then throughout that process, I did learn that at the heart of it, it was, it was this deep anxiety that I had felt since I was a little girl. And so the eating disorder, I, I do believe was um, a perpetuation of the anxiety that I had felt for a long time. And so, you know, it, it was a long process for me. It was, there were hills and valleys, just, just like anybody experiences in life. Um, but when I was in college, I was really in the throes of therapy in regards to anxiety, depression, and, you know, I'm away from home now. And, and how do I navigate that on my own? And for me, the anxiety was so overwhelming at times that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't properly process my thoughts or be present. Um, and so, you know, throughout those years of learning, I had some friends and they happened to be on the cross country team. I was not on a cross country team at all. I was a, a theater kid. Um, but in order to spend time with them, I would go on runs with them. And one day I, you know, I was having a really tough day and I started out on a run. I laced up my shoes. I, I ran out the door with no end goal in mind, but just to start running. And the more that I was running, the more I felt the anxiety kind of a lift, drift away. And for the first time, it really felt like my racing mind matched my racing body and I could parse through those thoughts. So running then from that moment on became a really critical piece in, in my journey of, of mental health, of taking care of my body. You know, I really loved running. So in order to run, I needed to make sure I was fueling my body properly. So it was a long journey for me, but um, I then decided, you know, I was an English major. I loved to write and I had found this thing that I love that helped me so much. So in 2000, uh, I think it was 2014, I just started writing about my journey. That was back really before social media became big. Um, but I started writing about my journey and how running helped me tremendously with my mental health. And then as I grew deeper and deeper in my faith, you can't not talk about God. You can't not talk about God when, when you're working through something like that, or just in general, of course. So I really started implementing my faith life into that as well. And so um, I became a certified run coach and started helping women learn how to use running as a way to um, take care of their bodies and take care of their mental health. And then with the pandemic hit, that was a, that was a bit more difficult. Um, I became a certified personal trainer and I was doing a lot of the, the, you know, the virtual workouts. I'm sure we all did them at some point. And that has, um, it's been a beautiful, beautiful way to give back to the Lord and help women truly take care of their minds, bodies, and souls. Yes. And to see how he has used you as an instrument through your own struggle to finding something that you love to then being able to help others. And it's really interesting what you said about having a hard time processing your thoughts when you had anxiety and, and depression. I know that's also a, a component of grief. When people are in grief, it's so mm -hmm. difficult to even sit and concentrate. And there is something about, I know, of course, you just have to find what works for you. Every body is different. But with regards to running, something about the input when, you're, when your feet are pounding on the ground and the footfalls and the breath, and that it can be so therapeutic, and especially with the understanding of the integration of the human person as our, as our Catholic faith teaches and knows and reveals, because 
every mile you can offer up. You can offer it up for an intention. Make the sign of the cross every mile. There are so many things that then you realize that this pain is in some sense beautiful because you're, it means you're alive. Your body is strong. You're growing even when it feels like you're suffering. Um, but also then to take care of ourselves. So I'm wondering with the work that you did then on yourself and that you do now, how can Catholic women maybe a starting point begin to understand how to take care of, of their bodies because it's so often just, you know, the mom or the wife, the the college student comes last. But what do you have to share as far as what you learned in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to touch on what you said about about offering it up while, while you're running and, and dedicating miles to people. I mean, I, I quote unquote prescribe that to my clients quite often. It's mm-hmm. so important and it really it helps keep you grounded and focused because I know you're a runner, Brooke. How many times do you not want to go out for a run when you're training for a race or something? Um, but, but putting it into that perspective is, it can be really helpful. It can be, it can really unite the mind, body, and soul. Um, in terms of women beginning to take care of themselves, understand their bodies, um, and understand, understand their health. It's the biggest thing. We all have intuition. We can all understand, um, something doesn't feel right. Uh, I need to advocate for myself in in some sort of way. I need to to go to the doctor or whatever the case may be. So starting with honestly trusting, trusting your own gut um, and starting small is okay too. You know, I have clients that come to me and they want to run a half marathon straight off the bat. And I love the enthusiasm. And I often have to remind my newer runners that starting Slow and starting small is okay, and it helps build that that those those building blocks, that foundation, to help you become um, you know a stronger runner in, in the long run, and that's really the goal. In terms of overall health, um, you know, the thing one of the things that I love about our, our Catholic faith and the church is how we, you know, I'm recently married. I got married about a year and a half ago, and we had to go through NSP before we got married. And I learned so much about myself during that process that I wish I had known back when I was a teenager. I think it's beautiful that the church requires that of us as Catholics. And I think if we can take that knowledge that we learn from NFP and and bring it to our teenage girls and bring it to our girls in our 20s and really teach that, that information in and of itself is so powerful. And so I feel like I'm behind because I just learned about this a year and a half ago. Um, But now I'm super passionate about helping women, you know, understand their cycles and understand how our hormones fluctuate and how we can use that not as a hindrance, but as something empowering as we understand why we feel a certain way why running might be a little bit harder today than it was, I don't know, a week ago. So there's so much for us to learn as women. And I really do believe if we start teaching this sooner, that it's just going to, it's just going to change so many women's lives. I want to hold there. We have to take a break. Uh, Maria Gary is here. And I want to, when we come back from the break, pick it up about that, what might be helpful, what we ought to know and how we ought to approach 
hormone health when it comes to to women, but but men have hormonal imbalances as well. So we'll get into that after the break. Maria Gary is the founder of Running Myself Together, a ministry dedicated to bringing Christ's light to women through running, running and mental health awareness. Back with her more when we come back. Plus, the family rosary across America is coming up in less than 15 minutes on this eve of the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the joyful mysteries. Join us to pray. We'll be right back after the break here on Trending. Stay with us. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Trending. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. We've been spending time with Maria Gary. She overcame an eating disorder as a young woman and today is the founder of Running Myself Together, a ministry dedicated to bringing Christ's light to women through running and mental health awareness. She is a Catholic woman who discovered her worth in Christ while working through the eating disorder recovery. Now today, a writer, speaker, and is a running coach. So we've been talking a little bit about that. And Maria, before the break, we touched on hormones and understanding how much it was helpful <laughs> when you got married and went through the process of learning about natural family planning and just wishing this gift could have been given uh, at a younger age. I think so many of us echo what you said as well. And I think that brings up a great question. And whether you are in your 40s, late 30s, 40s, maybe in perimenopause or a teenager and having a hormone imbalance, the first thing often that happens is if a, if a young girl's not feeling right, uh, mom might take her to, I'm just saying generally, I, this isn't the way it should be, but often it is, take her to the OBGYN, maybe then that doctor prescribes a birth control pill, and that's the last thing that that young woman needs. She needs to understand the story that her body is laying out every month, and that's frustrating. And because when you're then in perimenopause, it's almost the same thing. Your body is reacting almost like you're a teenager. You have mood swings. You don't feel good. You're tired. <laughs> you're, you're exercising, you're, but it's not doing anything. You might be having cravings. And so for anyone who's gone through that, Maria, um, maybe something that you've learned that you would like other people to know through this process of what you've studied. And again, you're not a practitioner, but you are a running coach and a personal trainer. And I know have invested a lot of time in this discipline of study. Absolutely. And I, I will say that again, that I'm, I'm not a practitioner and I'm still a student. I'm still learning so much about this and I'm finding it fascinating because there are so, so many different stages, so many things that I don't know. And, even to your point before the break, men's hormones can be out of balance as well. So there's still so much for me to learn. So I will speak only from my personal experience. Yeah. But I have to say, uh, going to a NAPRO doctor um, has been transformational for me. It's helped me uncover some of my own hormone imbalances that need to be to be um, to be fixed. And so they really have taken a holistic approach in my health, and it's been absolutely transformational for me. Um, things that I didn't even, I didn't even know were a possibility. And I know it might be hard to, for some people to find an APRO doctor. I do have to say mine is not local to where I live. I see them virtually. They order the labs. So that has been really helpful for me. Um, I think another, and I know my, so I, my sister actually sees one as well, and she's not married yet. And I, I just wish I had seen one sooner. I, I have to say that I wish I had seen one sooner because I could start working through 
um, working through this before we started to try to conceive. And so what I've seen, what I have seen is a lot of people don't, a lot of women don't understand what's happening until they start trying to conceive. So if we can talk about this much sooner and get them the help that they need much sooner, um, so many, so many women will find the answers and the healing that they need much sooner. And you had mentioned NAPRO technology. I just want to mention that stands for Natural Procreative Technology from the St. Paul the Sixth Institute. Really beautiful. If you can find uh, a physician practitioner, we had four years of secondary infertility just sharing personally and was able to find a NAPRO doctor and had a surprise blessing <laughs> pregnancy and healthy baby. And, you know, it's like you said, getting to the root, the source, and that's so often what's missing and, and what I so appreciate about our church is keeping us on the map of our moral compass and true north, that we're not going to get into um, these reproductive technologies that are illicit and immoral, but to to understand, first of all, the, the design of the human body and to fix that. And that's what I love about NAPRO technology, learning and understanding, uh, as opposed to just going in and paying a doctor a lot of money um, and and doing something that's illicit because you're vulnerable. And that's absolutely understandable, but there's so much that goes into the learning process that's necessary. Um, we are almost out of time, so I guess I just want to ask for a final takeaway from your experience coming from an eating disorder to what you've overcome to the clients that you work with every day, young and old. If there's one thing, one message that you could say, what would it be or that you keep coming back to? Oh, that is such a great question. Um continuously unite yourself to the Lord and Our Lady, always, 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 and be your own advocate. I think in my own journey, had I not been my own advocate, I wouldn't have uncovered a lot of the health things that I've experienced throughout my life. And so uh, doing all that you can to, again, surrender and unite, and then also be your own advocate when it comes to your health. Mm. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for all you do, the hard work you've carved out to overcome everything you have, and then also to help other people. And from a Catholic perspective, it's crucial. It's beautiful. So we thank you. Runningmyselftogether.com. Is that the website, the best way to find you? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, and may the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe to uh, help in bringing more souls to you here to Relevant Radio. Uh, two powerful guests this hour, if you missed it earlier in the show, Melody Lyons, Catholic mom, wife, grandmother, writer, joined me to talk about a post that she had written on X that went viral about intimacy in marriage. And that is precisely where the evil one strikes so often because it's the epicenter of where life is created and how important it is to have patience, turn toward one another, have charity, honesty. And if you miss that, you can go back and hear the podcast later, of course. Also touched on <laughs> the movie Godzilla Minus One just might be one of the most pro-life sci-fi action movies in recent years. Who would have thought? But really powerful story if you get a chance to see or look that up. Right now, we are just minutes away from a very special evening, the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky. Drew is joining Father tonight. I understand I heard John Morales on earlier with Drew broadcasting from the Shrine of Christ's Passion to celebrate the vigil of the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And even if you can't be there in person, I, in our family, 
often pray on YouTube or on Facebook. We can do that too with our hot chocolate joining in a mystical way and praying together the joyful mysteries today, lifting up our prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And as promised, in just the last few minutes here, I'm going to try to squeak this in, a quick cookie recipe that might help the, the, the tone tonight because it's good for your Advent preparations, but also these are called starlight cookies. So even now, thinking about the stars inside Our Lady of Guadalupe's mantle in the image. And so all you need for these cookies is just a glass jar, like a ball jar, and you layer the ingredients. This could even be a good gift. And so here's how you tell the story as you make the cookies with the ingredients. First, you need chopped nuts. And the nuts represent the rocky road that the little family traveled on. White chocolate chips are next in the layer. Those represent the stars in the sky. Dried cranberries represent the tartness, symbolizing the doors that were shut to Mary and St. Joseph. The brown sugar for the brown hills of Bethlehem and sugar to represent the snow. Next are rolled oats to symbolize the animals in the stable where they found shelter and flour for the simple goodness of the shepherds in the fields that they passed. So to make the cookies, think of the preparation St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother must have made for this journey. Heat the oven to 350, get the cookie sheet ready for the light of heaven, mix together butter, egg, and uh, vanilla until fluffy. And then the hardships of the journey to light of heaven. You put that into the entire jar of ingredients into that bowl for the light of heaven. Drop the heaping spoonfuls onto the baking sheets. And remember the hardships of Jesus' life and his passion. Bake for eight to ten minutes. Anticipate his coming and appreciate the joy and the promise of his birth by enjoying the cookies. So we will post that recipe for you if you want to share or give us a gift on the website. God bless you. We take our prayers like roses before Our Lady of Guadalupe. My name is Brooke Taylor. Thank you to Jim and Miranda on phones tonight. God bless you. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us.